Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I begin every program uh, with a definition of racism, white supremacy, and, and really work to erode that notion so that people don't think white supremacy, Ku Klux Klan, they think white supremacy and, you know, Kim Wise, um, the guy next door, I mean, just, you know, a, a radical shift in what that means. Um, given that, uh, at the conference, uh, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because I got feedback on this from Dr. Moore, which I found fascinating. Um, at the conference, uh, I spoke with you after the workshop, tremendous, we had quite a long dialogue, and uh, you requested a hug. And I said, well, didn't you just say you're a racist? And you said, yeah. Uh, and shook hands, no problem. Dr. Moore found me like 30 minutes later, and he said, uh, did a white person ask you for a hug and you refused? And I was just like, what? Somebody ratted on me. Did you, uh, did you tell Dr. Moore that I wouldn't give you a hug? No, absolutely not. I, I actually felt um, kind of, well, I, I felt a bit ashamed of myself for having asked after I just finished critiquing all of the kumbaya stuff. I ended up just turning around and participating in it <laughs> by making the request. So, no, I, I absolutely um, didn't say anything to anyone and just reflected on my own role in lending toward the kumbaya nonsense that, um, is not helpful. Hmm. Wow. Someone ratted on me, and I think that right there uh, is racism, white supremacy at the White Privilege Conference, the fact that it was uh, – and, and get this, after all we've talked about with anti-miscegenation, that a black male refused to hug a white person, that that was ground to go and tell the director of the conference. That is fascinating. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, yeah, that it was perceived as something wrong is what's troubling to me. Wow. If anything, well, the, the, the goal of the conference, it would seem to me, would be to make that sort of rejection understandable, completely understandable. Context of white supremacy, Gus T. Renegade, and justice. Again, for another program to share constructive information on what racism, white supremacy is, and how it works. Uh, hopefully, we'll also have some suggestions for ways that uh, non-white people, victims of racism, white supremacy, uh, can effectively counter uh, this system of injustice. Um, we will be back uh, after today's program. We'll be back twice on Sunday. Um, first program, Kevin Annette, he is a white man, suspected racist, uh, who does a lot of work around uh, how so-called uh, indigenous people, Native Americans, uh, were mistreated in this area of the world. Uh, he'll be on the program on Sunday. Uh, we'll actually have two programs on Sunday. Uh, direct consequence of Gus being at the White Privilege Conference, uh, Dr. Joy DeGruy will be making her second appearance uh, on the cows. We'll be talking about um, 
why it is that certain or a lot of victims of white supremacy struggle to understand that to be white in a system of white supremacy means you are a racist white supremacist. Uh, she, she will be talking about how that is a part of our pathology and victimization. So that's two on Sunday for the cows context of white supremacy. Uh, today's program, uh, privilege to have them on the show. Uh, it's a privilege to have, uh, Anyone who is competent and sincerely interested in replacing white supremacy with justice uh, take time out of their schedule to speak with us. Uh, this is his second uh, trip on the program. Um, this program, I often tell folks that you come to the cows, uh, I hope that you have an uncomfortable and challenging uh, experience. Um, not that I'm in for conflict, but just I'm, I'm into speaking about racism, white supremacy, uh, accurately and honestly, and I think to do so is is a very uncomfortable thing because uh, our existence is extraordinarily uncomfortable. Um, but I guess he came, he chatted, um, we had, uh, I felt, very important dialogue. I frequently recommend that program. And uh, in addition to coming back to share more time, uh, he was gracious enough to uh, just provide an incredible amount of assistance in getting uh, yours truly, Gus T. Renegade, to La Crosse, Wisconsin, to experience the White Privilege Conference firsthand. Um, didn't didn't know me from Adam. We met, you know, just having we met at a uh, at a Tim Wise uh, presentation, um, and he didn't have any obligation to uh, make sure that I got there or had a nice hotel room or any of that. And he uh, kept true to his word. Said a year ago and and uh, followed through on his uh, commitment. I uh, just have a lot of appreciation and respect for that, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a fantastic dialogue again today. Uh, our guest, he is the uh, Director of Diversity at the Bush School right here in Seattle, Washington, and he is the founder of the White Privilege Conference, uh, conference number 12, next up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, our guest for today's program, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr. Are you with us, uh, Dr. Moore? Brother Gus, I am here. Outstanding. Thank you for it. Is, I don't know about folks listening in. We have full switchboard already, but out here in Seattle, Washington, it is gorgeous. Uh, this is like uh, spring on uh, steroids. It is a beautiful day, and Dr. Moore is here to uh, chat with us. I am uh, super appreciative, sir. I'm glad to be here, Gus, man. How you doing, my brother? Uh, as well as can be expected, uh, still intensely victimized, but uh, working to be uh, as productive as possible. Um, I want to hop right in so we can have an uh, efficient and uh, hopefully very constructive uh, broadcast. Um, I guess for folks listening in, that was uh, Dr. Jacqueline Battalore. Um, from the White Privilege Conference, that was the first time I heard of her. She gave a fantastic workshop, and she was on the program about a week and a half ago, and she was sharing her thoughts on uh, Gus not giving her a hug at the conference, um, which was very interesting. I, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. But uh, I guess to kick the program off, um, I suspect I asked you this when you were here uh, in May of '09, but if I didn't, I want to make sure I get it now. Can you Can you share with our audience what – the purpose of the White Privilege Conference is? Uh, well, uh, the conference is multi-purpose. I mean, the primary uh, mission and focus of the conference is to examine the system that we exist in here domestically in the U.S., a system, from my perspective, designed by white people 
for white people and to examine the premise, the philosophy of white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression and how they played a significant role in how this nation especially was created and how many systems, organizations, institutions still operate today and what the impact of that is on our day-to-day existence from non-white folks to 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 white folks to high school, so on and so forth. So philosophically, that's really the primary uh, purpose of the conference is to examine that system's design, its creation, and its day-to-day historical, present-day, and future impact on how we operate in our day-to-day lives. In addition to that, I think the conference is a way to, you know, help folks to understand that they're not crazy for saying white supremacy in the places where they exist, uh, to really bring people together and to really uh, be a time for folks to renew and rejuvenate and reconnect uh, because often my experience has shown some folks who are doing this work are usually doing this work in isolation. And this is not work that's like kumbaya, diversity, can we all get along kind of stuff. This, from my perspective, is a high level of engagement beyond diversity 101. And I think it's important that the conference also serve as a place for folks to connect as well. And then lastly, it's an evolutionary conference. So uh, we're not going to get it all right. Even after 12, or I'm sorry, 11 conferences, we don't have it all right. So I think it's a, a, a way to come together and then from that experience to say, wait a minute, something ain't right about this, something ain't cool about this, something's missing here, something needs to be improved here. So really, for the conference to be a time for folks to uh, be held accountable, to be checked up, and then hopefully go out to where they exist and come back to the conference even stronger, even better. So I want that piece about evolution to also be intertwined in what the conference is about as well. Okay. Um, I want to make sure I got the highlights. Um, Primary purpose is to examine uh, the system designed by white people for white people um, that still impacts all of us, white people and non-white people today, um, for individuals to understand that they are not crazy for talking about white supremacy uh, and to for individuals to be held. Is it which which specific individuals? I guess who is being held accountable? All of us. All of us. Okay. Holding. All people. Yes. Okay. Holding, holding everyone accountable for their actions and the things that they're doing. Either um, uh, uh, most importantly, once they leave the conference, but also I think uh, this evolutionary nature is that. Uh, at the conference, this is a place where folks can realize maybe they haven't done enough or what they're doing is actually causing more harm than good. So I really think this piece of, of or this spirit of evolution or, or, or accountability is so critical at the conference and um, really want uh, that, that those four days, those three to four days that folks are there to serve as a time for folks to 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 talk about or hopefully be held accountable for the things that they're doing, but also 
to learn or to grow or to improve or to change some of the things that they thought that may have been going on that were helpful that were actually more destructive than helpful. Okay. Okay. I took thank you. I appreciate the thoroughness. I took some uh took some notes. So that'll be that'll be great. Um I guess to to keep in mind as we go for the dis- uh do the discussion, I might bring those back up as we roll. Um Justice, I believe, is with us, uh, my co-host, and uh, she might have a question or two. Uh, Justice, if you're there and you have questions, please go right ahead. What do you mean when you say white privilege? Uh, uh, What's up, Justice? How you doing? Uh, White privilege, um, as I understand it and explain it, is because of the system of white supremacy, a system designed for the benefit of white people, that when people with white skin show up in places, they get perks or privileges. It's as if they are moving down the street and at every block someone is handing them a dollar bill simply because of white skin. And so white privilege is a perk or benefit unearned that you receive simply because you have white skin. Do you believe and say that all white people are racist white supremacists? I believe that all white people are racist, absolutely. Um, I do hesitate to say all white people are white supremacists because I think that uh, a white supremacist is a different uh, uh, state of being than a person that is racist. Uh, Not to say that those things aren't connected, not to say that a white supremacist is not racist, But my perspective is that uh, a white supremacist believes in the sole maintenance of white people through purity and segregation, and that a racist is a person that behaves from a system designed uh, by white people for white people, and the behaviors and actions and interactions that they participate in are due to their understanding or lack of understanding of that system, but that's not necessarily because they believe in whiteness and white people as superior beings. Do you think that white people can practice racism and white supremacy? I think all white people can practice, yes. I think that is possible that all white people can practice white supremacy and racism. I I said that, do you think non-white people can can practice racism and white supremacy? No, I don't think non-white people can be racist or white supremacist, no. Okay, that'll be all for now. Context of white supremacy, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr., founder of the White Privilege Conference, uh, Justice and Gusty Renegade, uh, please favor the program if you think it's constructive. Um, what I normally do, deviated a little bit today, um, normally do is starting the program with definitions. I spoke with Dr. Moore uh, repeatedly about um, the critical nature of definitions. In fact, when, when Dr. Moore was with us in May, uh, he suggested that uh, – 
I put the my definition for racism and white supremacy on the show page, uh, and I, I have been thinking about that, and I might actually do it. Uh, I guess I haven't just because I say my definition every program at the beginning, but uh, I think uh, I think that was a great suggestion. Um, my definition: racism, white supremacy, a global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Um, could you give us your definition, and very important, racism and white supremacy are synonyms. I use them interchangeably. They mean the same thing. Racism is white supremacy. White supremacy is racism. Very important. Could you share your definition, Dr. Moore, of racism uh, and or white supremacy if you have different definitions for those two terms? Yeah, uh, white supremacy, I would agree um, some of what you've laid out as a global system of white a belief that whiteness and white people as supreme beings and a system instituted for uh, the destruction of um, non-white people. Uh, I think that uh, what extends from white supremacy is um, white privilege and uh, other forms of, of, of oppression like racism, which I define racism as a, 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 um, a, a hatred or prejudice or bias uh, against non-white folks and having the power to institute that bias in their day-to-day -day existence from jobs to, to, um, to travel to citizenship. I mean, all the day-to-day -day banking, housing, the day-to-day -day life kinds of things that folks are involved in, the power to implement or institute or, or, or use your, your, your bias or prejudice against that folks, that group of folks is what racism is for me. Okay. Okay. For white supremacy, I got global system of beliefs that white people are supreme beings and uh, is bent on the destruction of non-white people. Uh, and that white privilege extends from that and other forms of oppression uh, also racism, and you said racism is a hatred, a prejudice, or bias against non-white folks, uh, and uh, you must have the power to exercise this hatred or bias uh, in different areas of people activity. Did I get your, your definitions accurately? I think that would be an accurate, um, yes, def uh, description of my definition. Okay. Okay. Um, that your definition of white supremacy is different uh, from mine. I just want to point that out for our listeners um, because um, mine doesn't really address a, a belief that white people are supreme beings. Mine is about white people working uh, cohesively in a network, white people working in a network to maintain 
domination over everyone that they classify as not white. Um, a little di- subtle difference, subtle difference. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I would, I would concur with that. I would, I, I just, I, I felt like I wanted to say that I have a strong alignment with what you're saying, and I would add with that a belief that whiteness is greater, is better, is supreme. Okay, okay. Uh, I guess looking at these two definitions, particularly I'm looking at the one for racism, um, that if you have a hatred, a prejudice, and a bias against non-white folks, and and you already indicated that non-white people cannot be racist, then it would seem that the only functional form of racism is white supremacy. The only functional form of any group of people who have hatred, prejudice, bias against another group of people on the basis of skin color and the power to exercise that hatred, prejudice, or bias would be white people. Is that what I just said? Is that accurate? Is that logical? Are you... you <clears throat> I, I thought I heard you say two things, meaning or something in reference to white supremacy as a part of that. But I I I, I thought in hearing what you said, secondly about that that racism is the is the action of white people. I would agree with that. Yes. Okay, but I guess what I'm saying then is, if no one, you said non-white people are not capable of being racist white supremacists. So if the only people who can be racist are white people, then wouldn't that mean that the only form of racism is white supremacy? No, I, I would say the opposite, that a, a, an extension of white supremacy, one form, one, 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 one extension of uh, a belief in whiteness as a supreme, as well as this power structure is racism. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Would it be accurate to say that this power structure, this system um, of power is white supremacy? Would it be accurate to substitute uh, the term white supremacy there? No, I would, uh, again, I I think the the thing that I say and that gives me uh, a, uh, maybe a, it's somewhat of a disconnection or a, a, a small disagreement with you is that racism is a extension of white supremacy. They're not they're not interchangeable. Okay. I'm just I'm just looking at the at the definitions that you have here and and what you said that non-white people are not able to be racist. If that is true, then the only form of active form of hatred, prejudice, bias against non-white folks uh, and the power to carry out that hatred, prejudice, bias in any area of people activity would have to be the same people who believe that white people are supreme beings and bent on the destruction of people they classify as not white. That just seems... That seems very logical to me, just looking at the definitions. I could be misinterpreting what you said, but I don't know. I mean, just the fact that you did say non-white people cannot be racist, that would seem to suggest that 
racism and white supremacy uh, are one and the same. Um, but I, I could be incorrect. Yeah, but I, I don't say white person, white supremacist. Mm-hmm. I, I don't say that because I think that in order to be a white supremacist, that you have to have a supreme being and a supreme belief in whiteness and white okay. and white as greater or superior or better than. And okay. I think that uh, you cannot have that belief and still participate in racist behavior. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So for me, there is a, a, a piece of racist behavior that doesn't necessarily have to be connected to uh, a belief in white as the greatest, as the best, as, as supreme. Hmm. Do, I guess, how do you ascertain if a white person, and you said all white people are racist, so how do you ascertain if a white person who is racist does not believe in white supremacy, the way you define it as white people being supreme over everyone not white. Uh, How do you ascertain whether or not that white person, that racist, believes in white supremacy or not? Well, I mean, one is action. Like, what is it that that person does? Like, for me, a person that believes in whiteness as supreme carry out behaviors that is Segre- that's that's segregated in their behavior patterns. That's that's in the words, in the in the materials that they write. That 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 whiteness and the, the the purity of whiteness is worth protecting, and fighting for, and dying for. And that there should be no interactions with mongrels or people of color or all those other kinds of things that are wrapped up often in that kind of language. So, for me. When a white person is 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 not in that kind of behavior pattern, that to me gives me, for me, gives me some sense that they're not a white supremacist. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I want to see if Justice has some other questions, but I guess my last one before I check with her: Do you think it's possible for a white person to not? believe in so-called segregationist practices um, to not, you know, openly anyway, uh, say that they are against so-called mongrelization? Do you think it's possible for a white person to say a lot of things that are against racism and have a lot of contact with non-white people and still believe in and practice both white supremacy and racism according to your definitions? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I I I think just as just uh just as there could be a man who who says that uh he is against sexism and uh, patriarchy and participates or writes or or demonstrates in all those ways to show that he is against but be operating in a way that's completely male-dominated and sexist. Absolutely. Um, Justice, if you are there, if you have some questions for Dr. Moore, please go right ahead. What do you say most often when you talk about racism and white supremacy? Uh, What do I say? uh, The thing that I try to emphasize and say often to folks 
is I'm not here to hold hands and sing kumbaya. That um, as I've learned from my and will continue to take with me from my uh, my, my colleague and friend Gus is white supremacy, racism kills non-white people. Like it is serious business. So uh, I have said that in the past as um, um, uh, uh, white supremacy and racism has to be viewed as a health care issue. What I've done and what I will do going forward is reminding folks that along with that, that this is serious business. Like there's uh, really some concern that needs to be given to folks that appear as if there's uh, more celebration and relaxation than there is work. Um, I think also that it's important for folks when they consider breakdowns or problems or concerns with whatever they're making decisions about, that they don't just look at issues of, of, of economics or gender or sometimes even racism, that they consider white supremacy as possibly causing or something we should be concerned about in reference to deciding on the direction we should go in. So those are two of the things that I would say I try to say the most when I'm out and about speaking to folks about racism and white supremacy. What did you enjoy at the White Privilege Conference? Uh, from the vantage point that I see the conference, I enjoy, I am enjoying the fact that there seems to be a growing number of folks who are interested in coming together to uh, attend the conference looking at issues related to white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. I also enjoy the fact and feel like we have some of the top scholars in the world, but definitely in the domestic U.S., uh, challenging folks, informing folks, and spending time with folks as opposed to flying in, doing a presentation for an hour, and then they're gone the next day. Uh, we really work hard to have our folks who are speaking from the stage spend time with our people. And then lastly, I enjoy the fact that there are young people there. Uh, there are actually folks 15, 16, 17 years old, from my vantage point, beginning to have conversations about white supremacy, white privilege, and oppression at an earlier age, I know, than I had that conversation. So I enjoy the fact that there are young people there, or enjoy the fact there are young people there as well. What do you like about white people? Um, they're good golfers. Uh, they can swim. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just joking, so I wanted to bring a laugh to the audience. Uh, for me, I feel like uh, if I answer that question, I, 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 I feel like for me, um, my experience has shown me in the life that I've lived and where I am in my life, that there have been some white people who played a critical role in that. From when I was a high school kid, deviating a little bit off path, uh, my white basketball coach played a significant role in assisting and working with my mom and I and getting me to college and away from home. Also, uh, when I launched my uh, business as a consultant, uh, that I had a friend who really uh, helped me in, in working with me and making some connections in the community where I existed. So 
there are some things in my life path and my uh, professional path in reference to working with white folks that have been very beneficial for me. So those would be some of the things and some of the ways in which I would say, um, to answer your question specifically, I like white people or what I like about white people. Can I go off for now? Context of white supremacy, Gusty Renegade Justice and Dr. Eddie Moore Jr. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, I had one more definition. I told folks definitions, very important, very important. Um, that's kind of the, uh, the foundation, uh, in my view. That is the foundation from which everything else works, particularly with racism. Everything is going to go from uh, how you define racism, white supremacy, and, and other terms that are used uh, consistently. Um, at the conference uh, on day one, and I think I've heard you use the phrase uh, other times as well, um, what do you mean when you say uh, Afrocentricity? What, what does that mean? Uh, well, for me, um, I mean, I am a, a black man that descends from Africa whose center is African. So for me, the essence of my existence is what I talk about when I talk about Afrocentricity. Afro, Afro so it is the essence of my existence as a black man here in America. So that's what I speak from when I'm speaking to my audience and telling them the design of this conference is from an African-centered perspective and that white supremacy will not allow this conference to go and to grow that its design, its leadership is from a centered African perspective and that that has to be followed, not conquered, not colonized in order to move forward. And so that's what I mean when I speak from the stage and speak to the audience from the beginning about Afrocentricity, African-centered perspective. I want to, when you were here last time, um, you shared uh, something you called your theory of incapability. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm getting it accurately because I shared it with others. I shared it at the White Privilege Conference. Um, you said that you believe that under the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, white people are not capable of seeing black people as anything other than niggers. They are not able to see black people as scholars or doctors or lawyers. Uh, and you said that they have to, white people, they have to uh, work against that conditioning and training uh, so that, you know, we can even begin to get to the possibility of correcting this. Uh, you said that if, you, if you're not consciously aware of working against thinking about racism, white supremacy, if you're a white person, you're going to slip back into uh, all black people, niggers. Is that an accurate summation of your theory of incapability? You know, I, I, I think you've got it pretty close, bro. I, I, I think it's important for, if you don't mind, me to uh, only add. I'm you joking. do mind. Okay, well, then I'll say, yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, please, please, I want to hear it, please. Uh, I, w I would only say that it's important for folks to understand the the essence and, and, and source of the uh, theory of incapability. And it's really out of my frustration 
of 10 years into this next century feeling like what we've been trying for the century before and into this first decade doesn't seem to be bringing many different results in reference to systemic, organizational, institutionalized white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. So maybe we should try something new as a way to move forward, and in particular uh, for white people, instead of, instead of saying, you know, things are going to get better or if I just keep moving forward, I can get this done, I can, I can do better, I can make this change, that you introduce the theory of incapability into your practice, into your actions. And that theory says, again, as you laid out so eloquently, that as a white person, you are incapable of seeing me as Paul Robeson, a scholar, an athlete, a, a, a genius, that in fact the way we were introduced into this society, being domestic U.S., uh, I was not introduced into your psyche as scholar. I was introduced as nigger. And so um, to approach actions and interactions from a theory of incapability, and when you do that, that means that every day, I'm not saying it's impossible for you to accomplish uh, uh, seeing me as a scholar, but in order for that to happen, that you have to do something every day. You have to be awareness of whiteness, of white supremacy, its impact of your day-to-day -day or on your day-to-day -day life. This awareness piece has to be heightened to day-to-day -to -day action. And it's important that people also hear the metaphor in which this is laid into, and it's the friendship of the lion and the lamb. That's really kind of the juxtaposition or the analogy or metaphor that I kind of give a visual of this because I learned through some of my early training as a young Sunday school boy that the lion and the lamb were friends and all this kind of stuff, and I've taken that to really ask the question. I mean, the system never designed the lion to be the lamb's friend. It's like black people and non-white people, or in this case, African people, in my case specifically, it system didn't design us to exist or coexist in a friendly way. I mean, the way I was introduced to you was nigger, not scholar. That's what I'm saying. So it's like the system designed for the lion is to eat the lamb, not to be the lamb's friend. I'm not saying the friendship's impossible, but I think in order for that to be a possibility, the lion has to proceed with a theory of incapability, that it can't do it. And when proceeding with theory of incapability, every day the lion has to do something to maintain that friendship because the day the lion takes a nap or slips backwards, it sees the lamb as lunch, not as friend, which, again, transitions into what you laid out, again, so eloquently in paraphrasing and redescribing and laying out my theory of incapability as a white person. When you take a break, from the way in which the system designs our interaction, our first encounter, you will not see me or work to be seeing me as friend or colleague or scholar, but nigger. And that, lastly, I will say, goes on down the oppression ladder. As men, as uh, folks who may practice uh, in a Christian-type religious behavior, as folks who are able body who don't have to worry about things as folks who have money. So there are 
other aspects of oppressions that's also uh this also can be used with and is also connected to this theory of incapability. Um I'm just I'm just curious for folks listening, are you going to uh publish anything around this? Is this going to be maybe an essay or anything that you're going to actually uh, get out on, on words for folks, written word? Well, I am using your website and your definitions as my motivation. So as you publish things, I'm going to follow your suit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Challenge. Uh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's really my next um, um, um piece that I'm going to be doing over the next year or so, Gus. Uh, uh, my next project, I'm trying to work with um, uh, the young uh, sister who did some work with Joe Fagan around two-faced racism and uh, really wanted to start to look at what possibly young people, not just college kids, are seeing in the back door. So that's one project along with my own kind of uh, philosophical perspectives and experience around this work, which would include the theory of incapability. Those are the two pieces that I'm going to be turning my energies and efforts to over the next summer and fall to hopefully have some um, things done um, in book form by next year this time. But definitely uh, a start will be to start to, you know, do some uh, uh, publications or some articles for the new White Privilege Conference Journal and hopefully some other places that would accept a piece on the theory of incapability. Wow. Be looking out for that. And the White Privilege Conference Journal um, might have a submission. Um, I guess very important, I was speaking with a non definitions, definitions, definitions. I was speaking with a non-white person, a black female, um, about your theory. And she said, uh, well, what does he mean when he says nigger? And I said, oh, I didn't ask. See, definitions, definitions. And uh, I define a nigger as someone who is mistreated specifically because they are a black person in the system of white supremacy. Um, do you think that definition is accurate, or do you have a, a more accurate definition of what a nigger is? Well, um, in this case of the theory of incapability, the, the, the way in which I speak of nigger is the way in which uh, white people, white minds, see black people, particularly black males. And that's not, and for me, that is gangster, criminal, all those stereotypical kinds of associations or visuals that come with my presence, even with a Ph.D. And so for me, nigger is... Uh, a stereotypical kind of definition or visual associated with me that extends from um, things like a birth of a nation that have perpetuated these criminal kinds of pictures of black people, but particularly black males. That sounds like uh, that sounds like the the victimization is because you are classified as a black person in a system of white supremacy that that seems like we're in the same same ballpark um around that that's okay okay um and you said every every white person you said that it is not possible for white people when you were on the program last i asked if it if it is true that your she wasn't at the time but now wife uh that your wife sees you as a nigger 
Um, and you said, yes, all white people, um, all of us, nobody, or excuse me, not all of us, all white people, um, you know, uh, fall under this theory. And all white people, they would all have to be doing something every day um, to work against that conditioning and the training that you get 24-7 from the time you're born as a white person to be a racist and to see black people as niggers. Uh, you said yes, even my wife. Uh, is that true? I'm just going to make sure I'm not, not fibbing here. Yeah, my, my my wife definitely being a part of my life and the work that I do uh, for me and for us collectively has to be at a high level of participation. So there's no extra explaining I have to do or extra questions I have to answer. There's For me, that's not the fight I have to fight. It's us continuing to build on day-to-day actions and also to to – to, um, I think, uh, share and, and explain and help others to participate in this theory as well. Um, Justice, if you're there, if you have questions for uh, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr., please go right ahead. What do you say and or do when white people mistreat you? Uh, well, it's a um, it's a, a, a very powerful question. That just as I I I mean I for me it's a combination of things. Uh, one of the things I try to make sure that I do as number one is stay healthy uh, because white supremacy is designed for the death of black people and hypertension is a form of that death. Uh, high blood pressure, high anxiety. So the one thing I try to do consistently when I am experiencing racism, white supremacy, or mistreatment from white people is stay healthy. Number two is I try to make sure that white people are challenging white people when these kinds of mistreatments or uh, behaviors are taking place as well so that it's not just me who is saying something to a white person when I'm mistreated or, or experiencing racism or white supremacy for white, from, from, from white people. And then lastly, I'm also um, not afraid to check white people up, that it's important for me, even though I know what I say may be received better from a white person, so to speak, uh, it's important for me to say it to white people that you can't do this stuff to me. So uh, that would be the three things I would say that I try to do when I'm facing mistreatment or racism or white supremacy at the hands of white people. Stay healthy. Uh, have other white folks interject and and also challenge white people, but most importantly, not to cower down to stand up and raise up and say, no, nah, you can't treat me like this, and making sure that my voice is heard, even though something heard from somebody else may be received better. Oh, um, uh, thank you for um, what uh, those, those um, three things that you said. How do you help your offspring understand racism, white supremacy? Um, uh, again, a very 
powerful question and 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 an ongoing challenging question. Uh, one of the things I try to do primarily is in sharing my own experience. Uh, also, making sure that there's some knowledge and awareness uh, for my son, who's now 17, whether it's through um, attending something like the White Privilege Conference or or um, uh, maybe um, something I may uh, read off the uh, website of folks who are on my Facebook who are publishing great articles about the blind side, using uh, pop culture kinds of things that that my son may be involved in as another educational tool as well. So uh, I'm trying to get him to events, trying to get things in his hand that he can read, but also uh, trying to use the arena in which he exists, like hip-hop, like movies, as another source. And then I think uh, uh, the last thing, too, is, is giving him some some room to experience uh, racism, white supremacy uh, as well. And so uh, while giving him room, making sure I'm trying to be a solid resource and a solid rock for him as well so that as he experiences these things, again, it's not insanity that results from this. It's not unhealthy kinds of feelings or low self-esteem that result from this. It's an understanding that white supremacy is designed for these kinds of actions from white people, and it's not you. So give them space in that last piece. Be a resource. Be a rock for them, uh, but also reminding him that he is not the problem. Like this is what white people do in a system of white supremacy. Thank you. That's all we offer now. Context of white supremacy. <clears throat> um, I just, I had, this was an observation I was thinking uh, as Justice was asking great questions. Um, the theory of incapability um, that a group of people uh, are perceived as niggers, that is, individuals who can and should be mistreated because they are black in a system of white supremacy, um, that, that sounds like that sounds like the very essence of white supremacy. Um, I mean, to me, that that sounds as if it would be true. If that statement is true, it would be true to say that every white person uh, is incapable of being anything other than a white supremacist, that is, a person that believes that white people are supreme beings. Um, I could be incorrect. Think about it. That's what I tell folks. Listen to the program. Think about what is presented and come to your own conclusions. Um, I am curious with regards to your wife, Dr. Moore, um, like have you ever felt, or I guess I'll ask it this way, how do you know that your wife, uh, she even, meets the standard for the theory of incapability that even your wife sees you as a nigger? How do you know that? So are you asking how I don't know or I, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I'm – not clear. I'm understanding the question, Gus, so I want to make sure because, you know, my mm -hmm. wife is out there in the listening audience, so I don't know if you're married, but it's important. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Don't want to break up a happy home. Well, I just um, want to make sure I'm clear and understanding what you're saying because I, I, don't, I don't think I, I quite got that, so I apologize for that. No problem. I will make an attempt to be clearer. Um, you said that even your wife uh, 
sees you as a nigger, according to the theory of incapability. That would even apply to your wife. And I'm curious, um, how do you know that even your wife, your theory of incapability, even your wife is incapable of seeing you, a black male, as anything but a nigger? How do you know that is applicable to her? Because she's white. I mean, I, I, mean I, I think the theory is applicable to all white people. So um, I don't feel like in my bringing my wife into uh, 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 or, or us joining in union that that for me uh, she was at a stage zero where there was no awareness of this, there's no work done towards this. I mean, I'm one that believes that if people do things over and over and over again, whether it's read something, write something, play something, recite something, that they get better at it. So for me, I feel like has been participating in behaviors day to day to build up and to work towards um, maintaining or, 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 or creating positive kinds of relationship towards uh, non-white people. And so that that's that's that that was imperative for me to even be in friendship with my wife before even moving towards marriage. So so for me in any kind of friendship or business relationship or whatever when I'm dealing with non-white people, this is important for me that there's a demonstration of there's been work. And again, that work could be uh, the kind of things that they're reading, the kind of events they're participating in, the kind of conversations they're challenging folks in their home and their network. So all those things, I think, in building up and accumulating help folks in moving closer towards possibility and away from incapability. And I felt like that's something that was in existence for not just weeks, not just not days, not weeks, months, but years and in, 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 in building a relationship and having these kind of conversations, interaction with uh, uh, my wife when she was my friend and then as my girlfriend, now as my wife. Um, when, I guess Justice, when she was asking questions, uh, you commented about the importance of health, uh, which I wholeheartedly agree on. Um, Appreciated you having uh, Vernelia Randall uh, at the uh, White Privilege Conference in Wisconsin. Uh, she's been on the cows as well. Uh, big fan of her work. Um, and Dr. DeGroote, she'll be here uh, on Sunday. Um, I just I found it very interesting um, because when you were on the program uh, last time, uh, May of 2009, uh, you used a metaphor uh, in talking about racism and being in a so-called interracial relationship and uh, Josh Wickett, he thought it would be very interesting to have you on the program a year later and kind of see how uh, everyone has progressed in their understanding of racism and how they are thinking about racism and white supremacy. I want to play you this clip and just see if you remember it, one, and then to get your thoughts on it, hearing it a year removed from when you actually said it. So I'm playing it right now. And it may be, and I'm not unwilling to critical look critically look at this, it may be a just a um, – you know, just a personal desire on my part to 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 find a you know kind of soothing lotion so it doesn't feel so painful when it is that you're saying. So I'm not unwilling to look at that. Um, I just 
I tell people all the time, pay attention to words and definitions and also pay attention to pay attention to metaphors. And I just feel that is a striking uh, metaphor for sexual intercourse between a white person and a non-white person under a system of white supremacy where we have a skin problem. Um, racism, white supremacy is a skin problem. And uh, soothing lotion, um, that's just, I find it's an incredible metaphor, an incredible metaphor. Obviously, I remember it a year down the road. Um, do you remember making that statement? And I guess what are your thoughts hearing that a year from when you said it on the program? Uh, I, I mean, my, my thoughts are, no, of course I don't remember that. I mean, that's a year ago, so uh, my memory is pretty intact, but it's not that strong. Uh, there's no denying that wasn't me, so I'm not pulling our killer and saying that wasn't me, you know, so that was me. I just want the audience to know that was me. Uh, but I, I don't have a full uh, recollection of the metaphor, so you would have to help me out there because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're saying that I'm using this as soothing lotion and thinking about, you know, you know, Michael Jackson and whitening my skin or something like that. So I guess I'm, I'm trying to uh, get a, a sense of how you remember uh, I use that metaphor because I, 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 I would have to hear uh, a few more seconds of the clip to get a sense of that to, to, to properly feel like I have a complete understanding of the reference in which I was using that metaphor, that analogy, uh, that visual. Okay. It was, uh, it's, it's linked. Uh, if you are listening here at Blog Talk Radio, you can uh, click Dr. Moore's name, and it will take you to the broadcast that we did in May of 2009. Excellent program. Um, but the con- context, context is incredibly important understanding uh, the context of that metaphor we were talking about uh, sexual intercourse between white people and non-white people and uh, I was I guess asking if you felt there was anything incorrect about uh, this happening under a system of white supremacy and we talked about it for a second and you finally said that you were not unwilling to critically examine whether or not it could be a case of having sex with a white person being some sort of soothing lotion uh, for the pain of racism, white supremacy. Um, that would be the, the full context for when that was said. Um, oh, yeah. That- well, um, I mean, without a doubt, and I, I mean, if you are looking at issues of, of, of interracial or cross-cultural kinds of relationships, I mean, much of what research and, 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 and kind of testimonies have shown is some folks do to those relationships in unhealthy ways, that, that the way in which... Uh, or what it is that they're pursuing from those relationships is not anything of substance but something of kind of a soothing lotion, which I think is the kind of reference that I was, um, I was, I was referring to. And I'm not un, unwilling to, to go without admitting that at a young age that, that absolutely I learned some, uh, some, I mean, just unhealthy behaviors around women in general, but definitely around if you have, un, for me, having an unhealthy understanding of relationship about women, meaning that, you know, the more you have, the better man you are, that, that also uh, some of that was factored in around white women. So that when, 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 at least for me and some of the folks I was hanging with, 
from my neighborhood were out at club spots or out at social kinds of places that that racial component played a role in that. There was no substance in pursuit of those relationships. Absolutely not. And I think it's imperative for me, and especially going from kind of a, 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 a girlfriend-boyfriend kind of relationship with my wife to marriage, that I have that painful, courageous, deep examination. I got to make sure that if I'm going to be with this woman for the rest of my life, that I haven't uh, participated or gone into this for a soothing lotion kind of behavior. So for me, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in any way running away from that statement, and I stand by that statement and what I still see and, 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 and still um, uh, uh, observe in society and in some relationships today. Hmm. Have, you, have you carried out that self-examination about the motivations for being married to a white person who's admitted to being a racist? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I mean I think I don't think that's a one time examination. That's every day, all day. Like racism, white supremacy is an everyday occurrence. So my wife and I when we're in, 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 in existence in the public square, we're it's it there if there's consciousness, there's examination. And there's consciousness in a day to day examination. Wow. Uh, again, privilege, uh, our guest on today's program, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr., founder of the White Privilege Conference. Um, Justice, if you have questions for Dr. Moore, please uh, go right ahead. Has your wife been racist to you? That's a great question, Justice. Well, uh, Justice, she's out there, so um, can you call me offline so I can answer that question offline? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I don't I don't feel that I've experienced some direct acts of racism from my wife in my house in our day to day examination. Now, I'm not gonna say that my wife hasn't participated in racist behavior. Um, I feel like uh, there's not a conscious uh, effort to participate in this behavior uh, in, a, in a belief of white supremacy, like a, a purity or a, a maintenance or a, a pursuit for whiteness as greater, that just like as a man I have everyday, day-to-day slips into sexist, kind of behaviors, I am uh, definitely um, willing to say, and I think my wife would acknowledge, that it is an everyday struggle for her to fight against uh, racist kinds of behaviors, and there has been uh, situations where we had had to stop and, and question and, and, and examine and critical look, critically look at whether or not these behaviors are fueled by racism. Do you see any evidence that white people will stop practicing racism, white supremacy? Um, 
No, I, 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 I don't, I don't see any evidence that there's any end time to white supremacy, racism, and white people's participation anytime soon. I feel like, however, there are signs that I see in which white people are making efforts to raise consciousness, to participate, to write, to be involved in behaviors that are an attempt to understand white supremacy and racist behavior so that it's not practiced on a day-to-day conscious or unconscious kind of level. That'll be all for now. Context of white supremacy, Gus T. Renegade Justice, and our guest uh, for today's program, uh, founder of the White Privilege Conference, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr. Um, Dr. Moore, you said that uh, you just use, I'm using your wife as an example because this is something you had discussed before, and, uh, you know, we should, we should all be comfortable chatting. <laughs> uh, but you said that uh, you know your wife is going to, practice racism? How do you know she is going to practice racism at some point? Because she's a white person. Um, I, I, I do want to put on the, uh, on, on, on the air that uh, I, I, I think, I think, this is just my feeling, and it may not be true, but I'll feel better that I can say it on the radio, that it's a little unfair that my, there are a few of my cards on the table and there are none of the host on the table. I just want to put that out there. But I'm not running. I'm here. So I know that she will do racist stuff because she is white. Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, you, I guess, said that it is important non-white people um, speak honestly with their daughters, sons, about racism, white supremacy. Um, if I could make a, a request, because we do have a, a younger non-white person, Justice, um, perhaps if you could role play like what you think you would tell your non-white daughter, son, both, um, about racism, white supremacy, and, and if you would, if that would include, you know, even your mom, I expect that she is going to practice racism, white supremacy at some point, and why that is. Like, what would you say? Do you think you could kind of give us, uh, I don't know if you thought about it, but what you can think you might say to uh, your child? And uh, now, I'm not sure, I, 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 don't, I don't know Justice's uh, identity, meaning if she's multiracial, uh, both parents are African-American, because uh, for me that makes a difference. Uh, so um, I, I just want to put that out there. But in general, uh, in speaking to a non-white young person mm-hmm. about what will happen in a system designed by white people for white people on a foundation of white supremacy and day-to-day actions of white privilege and racism. This is what you're asking me to say that what kind of role play what I would say to someone like Justice, for example, or a younger person. Your, 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 your child, if you, speaking to your child, um, 
what would you say to your own child about racism, white supremacy, so that they can understand the system, uh, understand the theory of incapability, and, and what that means even for their own uh, white parent? Like, what would you tell your child if you could kind of role play that with justice? I would say that um, um, that life, uh, life, life. I, I want you for this 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 conversation to think of life as a a a a a, a, a battlefield, so to speak, um, and that. And, 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 and for you to be successful, that there has to be certain kinds of tools, skills, armor, so to speak, that you possess. Because the thing you'll be for facing um, in, a, in, a, in a battlefield that's not going to be of mines and, and bombs and guns, but of white supremacy, meaning that people are going to think they're better than you simply because they have white skin. And white privilege, people are going to get perks. I mean, it's going to be like people are going to be handing them dollar bills every turn that they play. These are the kinds of things that you're going to be facing, and those things can devalue you. In fact, the design of those things is to make you feel like zero. So the skills, the primary skills you need going forward is, one, an understanding of what white supremacy is, like its design, like who put it together, and what they designed it to do. So we have to make sure that we are continuing to grow and expand your consciousness about whiteness, white supremacy, and what its design is and what it was designed to do, especially to you. Secondly, you got to know who you are. The greatest skill or piece of armor you could possess is that no matter what, that system of white supremacy presents to you that you know you are someone of substance. Like, it can't destroy you. It is imperative that we in this house, in this family, in this community, continue to let you know that you are phenomenal and nothing that that system presents to you can destroy your existence and who you are. And lastly, your voice matters. Like, you have to be able to, in understanding and consciousness, you have to also be able to articulate and articulate loud, not to destroy people, not to demean people. And I would use your Uncle Gus as an example. The thing he does so beautifully is he has conversations with people that's so challenging, but he never puts them in a demeaning perspective. And so the voice of consciousness in a way that is strong and intelligent but not demeaning is another important skill that I would, uh, uh, I am committed and we will be committed to continuing to grow that you need in going out into this battlefield. Those are the kind of things that I would lay out. Wow. Wow. Uh, I get justice. If uh, based on what he just said, did that make sense? Did you understand that? Uh, would you have questions? How did you? What did you think about what he what he shared? Um, no, but well, actually, I did have one question about it. Uh, what uh, what do you mean by was it articulate? You said. Yeah, articulate. 
Yes, what uh, what do you mean by that? Um, what I mean by that is that that means that whatever you say has to be clearly stated. So um, what a, a person that people describe as articulate is a person that when they speak, people understand it. So uh, not only does your voice need to be heard, but it has to be clear. As Uncle Gus always says, definitions, context is important. Now, I would add something to that, and that's action. Uh, but it's important that in, in understanding being articulate simply means that when you speak, people understand that. So I apologize that you and I uh, haven't connected completely on this definition. This is role play still. So help me understand how I could better uh, explain that or where you have a question or what you uh, uh, don't understand about what I said because I, I, I guess I'm, I'm really – trying to help you to understand the kind of things that you'll face once you leave the environment where you exist here at home. Is that a question? Oh, yes, I'm sorry, yes, that was a question. Uh, I'm still role-playing, I'm sorry, yes. That was a question asking you, is there a better way or is there something uh, within what I said and trying to uh, bring my um, kind of life lesson, so to speak, about these issues uh, into our family conversation? No. Wow, very interesting, very interesting. Um, wow, very interesting. Um, I'd be curious. So if, if the child said, well, you know, are you saying, you're saying that white people do this. I mean, mom is white. Are you saying that she does this too? What would your response be? Absolutely, that, 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 that mom is not without error, just like uh, as a man, I mean, uh, I, I don't intend to be sexist, but I'm going to do sexist things. So uh, I'm not, uh, I'm, I, I don't consider myself a bad person. So I, uh, as mom does, uh, being a white person doing racist things, really try to work day to day to have consciousness about our behavior so that uh, we can maybe catch them or in doing things that are wrong, we can apologize or, or make amends. So it's not a world in which people are not going to make mistakes or people aren't going to do oppressive or mean kinds of things. So absolutely, uh, white people do these things. Mom is white. So absolutely, it's important to understand and for mom to understand that these could be things that she does as well. Absolutely. Uh, context of white supremacy, uh, big salute to uh, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr. Um, I'm very aware of the questions that I ask and uh, have every intention of asking. Uh, and he is uh, a trooper. I've told people, lots of folks, Dr. Moore, lots of people um, have listened to the first program that we did, and they contacted me and, and said that they thought it was interesting. I know uh, counter-racist evolving engineer when that program originally broadcast. Uh, she said she listened to it repeatedly. Um, and, and I said over and over again, if that program was constructive, any value at all to it, 
Um, the lion's share of the praise should go to Dr. Moore because uh, it, was, it was only because he honestly, uh, sincerely uh, answered questions. Uh, that's, that's what made it possible. So, uh, yeah. Um, are you interested in taking some calls, Dr. Moore? You have a full switchboard. Yeah, I, I definitely want to make some calls, but I, I feel like as an educator, it's important for me to point out, I feel like I've been asked to teach to a student I don't know. And I, I as an educator, I just want to say, you ain't got to make no corrections on this, that, that when my lesson doesn't come across, that I feel that. So uh, I would ask if I had another chance to get to know my student, uh, whether it's a visual student, whether uh, my tone or whether – my 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 gender whatever it is that could help me better present my lesson, I would like to have another opportunity to do that. But as an educator, when I hear that my lesson hasn't came through, it's important for my student to know that I'm not happy with that. So I will keep strengthening and growing that so that hopefully as we encounter each other again I'll be able to better present that lesson. But I wanna in addition to giving praise back to you, Brother Gus, I want to give it to your co-host, who is uh, absolutely phenomenal, bro. So um, uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to her in, 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 in closing on that. And back to your question, I would love to hear from the listening audience. <laughs> well said, well said. Um, let's see. Uh Last four digits, 6232, 6232, uh, your line is open. Uh, Dr. Moore is available. Hello, Dr. Moore. What's up? Hi, I have um, a question for you. I was looking at the picture from your last program, and I suppose they are T-shirts from the White Privilege Conference. And when I saw the T-shirts, it made me think of the uh, Got Milk campaign as in milk being something that they market to you as necessary, healthy, and helpful. And so when I saw the T-shirts and it said, got privilege, I felt kind of insulted because it made it seem as if it was something cutesy or fun. And to me, racism, white supremacy is not cute or fun. And I thought to myself, those T-shirts would be much more effective and constructive if it identified white supremacy rather than just privilege, which could apply to anything, you know, in the context of racism, white supremacy, do you feel that making the T-shirts identifiable with white supremacy versus just privilege would be more effective and constructive? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that because I've never tried that. The, the real uh, source of those T-shirts has been to really kind of um, use a – uh, uh, to be quite honest with you, a commercial, a commercial kind of strategy to put the T-shirts out in major circulation so that they can present questions for folks uh, because my experience has been when people see a T-shirt or that saying that it actually jars people or, or sets people back and, and, and hopefully or my hope is that it, it, it allows people to say, what is that, or where, where, where'd you get that T-shirt, and then that conversation opens up. So that's really, really the, 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 the main driving premise of the T-shirt was to get the word out about the White Privilege Conference, to really stop people in their tracks, to have them say, what the world is that, and then that conversation opens up. 
do you think then it would have been more effective to put white privilege on there rather than just privilege? Well, uh, no, because uh, at the conference we do more than white privilege. I, 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 I think that it's important that uh, uh, one of the things, at least from the conference that we talk about, is everybody has privilege, and we're all impacted and affected by it in very different ways. So uh, it's important that the privilege option is allowed to be comprehensive. But it's also important that people understand that for white people, by white people, that that's the foundation in which the conference starts, white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. I think a great T-shirt would be white supremacy on the front and by white people, for white people on the back. That would be effective and get people talking about the main issue. Above all other privileges, the most oppressive is the system of racism, white supremacy. I think that would be a great T-shirt. So have you uh, – uh, um, I'm not sure where the college – I was just wondering if you've uh, – uh, uh, had a T-shirt, or have you seen the T-shirts, or you just saw it on the website, or have attended the conference? I'd love to get you a T-shirt so you can do like a a tester for me in your area and see how it responds. Not to say that what you're saying is not true, and and uh, maybe we'll 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 definitely uh, look at doing something that says white supremacy. Do you suggest we have a exclamation mark or a question mark or just white supremacy uh, for white people by white people? put a question mark behind it. I, I definitely would put by white people for white people on the back. I would be willing to talk about it. Uh, like I said, I saw the picture on Gus's we uh, website on the Cows Radio Show. There was a picture of you from the White Privilege Conference with the powder blue t-shirt. That's where I saw it. Okay. And no, I haven't attended the conference. I just heard about it this year. Okay, great. Well, I would love, if you don't mind staying in touch, because I'd like to uh, if you are interested to just get you a T-shirt so you can test it out in your market, and then uh, I would love for you, if you don't mind, just to email me or stay in touch so that uh, you can hold me accountable so that I can uh, – I'd, I'd like to give a test run to white supremacy for white people by white people. I like that. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, the the caller. Um I want to get some other folks as well, but yeah, I hope she will stay in touch uh, either through Gus or I can pass her uh, your email and uh, you all can stay in touch. I definitely think she would attend White Privilege Conference number 12 if Dr. Welsing uh, was a keynote speaker. So if that happens, I think that would motivate her to attend. Um, Mr. Nero, I believe, this is Mr. Nero from California. Um, are you there with a question, Mr. Nero? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, greetings, Gus and Justice and uh, Dr. Moore. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Greetings, my brother. Uh, uh, you, you said a lot, and um, I, I don't want to take up a lot of time uh, going through some of the things that you touched on, but um, I would like to ask, uh, as far as naming the conference the White Privilege Conference, um, did white people assist you in coming up with uh, that actual term to name the conference? Uh, no, sir. It was it was it was solely generated from me, um, and generated from some reading. The number you have called is no longer in service. Message twenty one S A N. Are you there, Gus? 
Hello? Can yeah, I be I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, so I was just uh, – is everybody still there? Yes. Oh, yeah. I can hear you. Yes, I'm here. Okay, so I just quickly say that, yeah, uh, basically the premise and the idea came from me, and I was in my um, uh, coursework portion of my Ph.D. program, and it was there that I began to read some things in reference to uh, white supremacy as a system, an organization, an institution, and, and, and really uh, when I took my first job as a director of diversity at a small college in Iowa, uh, I basically called up uh, some of the folks within that community that I was studying with and built relationships with and said, we got to have some more discussions about this white privilege stuff. And, and that's where I put together uh, the conference being called the White Privilege Conference. I did have some really inter interesting interactions with white people at the beginning, and I still do, actually, where people say to me, well, Dr. Moore, if you change the title of the conference, more people will come to the conference. And so um, I went through a period early on of considering whether I should change the conference name uh, in order to, you know, attract more people. Because again, I I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to fail in my first endeavor. I was a young professional, professional. So to be quite honest, which I was a little nervous. I wanted to make sure we had people in attendance. So I called one of our first keynote speakers and said, I'm I'm thinking about changing the name. And the keynote speaker said to me, Listen, Eddie, uh, this is important. If you change the name of the conference, I'm not coming to the conference. And so it was really there that uh, I um, had some support and affirmation that this was a topic that needed to happen. And I have gone without hesitation from then on. And I will say to folks, I'm willing to make some, some, some adjustments and some evolutionary kinds of changes, but the title of the conference is not under negotiation. Interesting. Uh, Gus, if I may ask one more question. Help yourself, sir. Uh, Dr. Moore, sir, you, you discussed uh, earlier the analogy of being on a battlefield as you were explaining it, uh, I guess, racism to, your, to, to a child or, or maybe it was to your son. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was doing a little role play with uh, Sister Justice, but yes, sir, that was that was my starting point. Yes. Right. Uh, would it be safe to say, uh, or, or for me to, to 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 conclude that if 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 a person is engaged in a sexual relationship with the uh, a combatant from the other side, that they are indeed sleeping with the enemy? Uh, yes, I could. I, I, if I follow that analogy, that would be safe to say yes. Okay, that's all I have for now. So thank you very much. Uh, I believe uh, counter racist evolving engineer Cree. Uh, she has her own uh, broadcast right here at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, excellent work against racism, white supremacy. She's here, and I believe she has a question or two for Dr. Moore. Uh, just so I know, is this the sister who did the outstanding piece on Sandra Bullock? I did do a piece on Sandra Bullock. I don't know if that's the one that you saw, though. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm listening. I'm, I'm with you. Um, but I would be curious to know if it was the piece. But the question that I had for you was that I heard earlier in the program that you differentiated between racism and white supremacy, 
And what I thought I heard you say was that white supremacy, in your definition, is a belief in superiority of white persons. Um, and so then the question that I have is whether a white person kissing, engaging in sexual relations, dating, marrying a black person or a person who's not white, is that a demonstration that they are not a white supremacist to you? No. Okay. So what would and what how would you know that a person is not a white supremacist even though they participate in the system of racism? Uh for me, some of the things I use is 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 and and, and are as important as definitions and context is action. Is the kind of things that people are participating in in their day-to-day life, the uh, kind of professional or personal development they're participating in, whether it's a conference or the kind of things that they're reading or if they're authors, the kind of things that they're writing about or if they're teachers, the kind of things that they're teaching about. So, or if they're in families where they've had these kinds of issues, the kind of things that they're challenging or pushing uh, against their family around these issues. So for me, uh, it's a plethora of day-to-day actions, interactions that they are involved in that is uh, pushing against or going counter against uh, a belief in white supremacy, white purity, whiteness as supreme. Okay. Thank you, sir. Counter-racist evolving engineer right here at uh, Blog Talk. Um, I don't, she did do an excellent piece on uh, Sandra Bullock and the Blind Side. It's at her blog, uh, cree7.wordpress.com. Um, which Sandra Bullock piece are you referencing, Dr. Moore? I, I believe, my brother, I believe uh, that piece was one that I followed from your uh, Facebook or website link. Oh, okay. And I suspect it was. I strongly suspect it was uh, Cree's post. Again, Cree7.wordpress.com. And right here at Blog Talk Radio, Counter Racist Evolving Engineer. There you go. There's the author. <laughs> uh, let's see. Someone called in at uh, 111. That's what your number showing as, 111. Are you there? Can I be heard? Yes. Thanks for taking my call, Gus. Um, I got a question for you, Gus. Uh, I heard him say earlier in the show about um, black people need to stay healthy. Uh, in your... Uh, I guess discussion. I never hear you actually discuss about how uh, black people are eating the white man's diet, and is that also creating confusion on replacing racism, white supremacy with justice? Yeah, I. I mean, I, I would have to definitely. Um, be in agreement that I have not spoken to or uh, spoken in relationship to uh, health as uh, it relates to uh, the white man's diet. And so uh, for me, uh, I do think in speaking against 
white supremacy and racism, uh, the primary piece I speak about uh, from a healthcare perspective is the hypertension, um, high blood pressure aspects of, of, of racism or the fight against racism. Uh, but I don't, I, I, I do not think that that conversation can be had without reaching or without mentioning or having in that, in addition to diet, definitely some exercise. So say for the listeners that that's a part of, of what what um what I mean when I say um, uh, being healthy under the assault of white supremacy and racism. Now, um, I would I would I would definitely have to have clarity about what is meant when um, someone says the white man's diet um, is that uh, pork, is that beef, or is that is that water consumption? I mean, I think for me, for me, uh, I would need some clarity there because I, I, I don't want to say that I stand in agreement, but for me, I think uh, there is definitely an issue of diet and nutrition in, 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 this, in, in the black community. So uh, I don't want to. I, I don't want to without. I don't want ever go without having. Some conversations about that. Uh, I was actually saying basically the diet is blood and starch. So that's basically what I mean by the white man's diet is what we eat mostly. It's blood and starch. And we haven't actually tapped into, uh, you know, what comes from Mother Nature. So is there something that you would recommend, bro, that I myself read or consume or could share with others who may be as concerned and interested in this kind of information as well? Yes, it's, it's basically the alkaline diet where you can uh, research uh, a brother named Dr. Sabi who actually uh, raised my consciousness on health and uh, understanding on how, when you say you're actually an African and Afrocentric, uh, were we actually uh, or eating prior to coming to uh, America. And uh, I think that's the, one of the major things that's been missed when we talk about uh, replacing white supremacy with justice. But uh, research Dr. Sabi, and you can also uh, find out more information on uh, purifyself.com. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Gus? You, yes, sir. Um, I wanted to double check. I believe the first female who called in with questions. She said she had one more question, uh, but I wanted to check to see if Justice, if she had some other questions uh, before I get to her. Justice, did you have any questions? Not at this moment. Thank you. Okay. Um, the female who called in at 818, um, is there other questions? If you want to go ahead. Oh, I have one more question. Um, I was wondering, being that you said you do believe that, or, or either she admitted that your wife was a racist, as a black male, knowing that usually, as far as the system of racism, white supremacy goes, black males get the most mistreatment, 
at, at least the, the most direct mistreatment. Being married to a white female who you say is a racist, do you at all feel emasculated in that partnership as far as knowing that she is a racist and you're a black male? No, I, I, I don't feel emasculated in any way in this relationship. I feel like, uh, again, that, um, uh, that there has been um, some some interactions, some consciousness, some uh, awareness, and some action before there was marriage. So this is not something that was, again, um, some some way to get status, uh, some some fling of some type, that kind of thing. So, and I think, uh, in addition to that, there is ongoing day to day work, just like any marriage should have anyway. But definitely around the issues related to white supremacy, white privilege, and oppression, because we will not have a household that doesn't take it seriously, because it's real, particularly as a a interracial couple. I think Gus asked a few different times, but you didn't answer um, directly. Has she ever has she ever either called you a nigger or admitted to you that she sees you as a nigger? Since you said that most that white people pretty much see us as that. No, no. So I I have never. So no, my wife has not called me a nigger. I I I I feel like. Um, There has been enough consciousness in her uh, work and lifetime to uh, not say that there is not vulnerability for slipping back into the way in which black people were introduced to white people. I think that's the original conception. I think that folks can move beyond that if they do work. Folks can slip back into that if they don't do work. And so for me... Again, not only making sure that she has some understanding, some context, but most importantly, some action leading up before ceremony and continued action after ceremony is what's uh, been critically important for me. And so I haven't felt like not only I, – I know that she hasn't uh, called me nigger, and I don't feel like uh, she is seeing me as nigger. Do you feel like you're freely able to discuss things like that without any feeling of uh, discomfort? Because I've dated a white person before, so I've experienced, you know, some of the discomfort when speaking about things regarding race and racism. Do you ever feel um, uncomfortable, you know, when, like maybe when you have in your mind to discuss something with her because of the relationship, do you feel that any of those discussions would cause any uh, tension or discomfort between the two of you? Well, um, uh, uh, there's two parts of that. So, sis, I would say that I don't feel any hesitation, but I I do feel that there are being times where it's not like it's a kumbaya household either. So we're going to have and have had some conversations around these issues that um, that 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 cross across both whiteness white supremacy, gender kinds of issues, and I'll give you a perfect 
recent example is, you know, this 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 conversation that we've had around uh, Lawrence Taylor. So I'm immediately saying, wait a minute, now this there could there be something going on wrong here? Could there be some 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 something something fishy? Because I mean, my experience with the police is there could be something fishy going on here, and. Uh, from her perspective, there are some real issues around gender that I stepped around. And so that's a time in which, again, we've had this conversation, and it's been mixed with both white supremacy, white privilege, and gender kinds of stuff, and, and, and we're not in wholeheartedly, wholehearted agreement. So I would say to your second part, yes, uh, we have those questions, those conversations, and yes, we at times have some of that tension, but I don't think that that's a bad bad thing all the time. What is most important around that tension is that it's not unhealthy for parties involved, and that's the piece that we uh, definitely are in alignment and agreement with, that if we feel that tension is taking either of us to a point of being unhealthy, then we gotta, we got we to gotta, we gotta recalibrate and, and do this in a different way. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, I told you from the White Privilege Conference, uh, and I spoke with Dr. Moore several times about uh, White Privilege Conference 11, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, Grand Slam workshop from uh, Dr. Jacqueline Battalora. Um, she did a fantastic presentation on the history of white people in law, and uh, it, was, it was easily the best workshop that I attended uh, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I was fortunate enough to have her on the program just a few weeks ago. Um, in addition to giving a thorough explanation of why white means white supremacist, uh, that that is the very nature, the essence, the definition of what it means to be a white person in a system of white supremacy. It means to be a carrier and practitioner of the idea of white supremacy. She gave a wonderful uh, illustration of why that is true. But in addition to that, I asked her about the uh, infamous hug from the White Privilege Conference. Uh, I asked her about that. And uh, I got that. I want to play this clip and, and get your, your response to, to what she uh, had to say. So see if I can uh, pull that one off and uh, get your, your comments. Um, okay, here we go. I begin every program uh, with a definition of racism, white supremacy, and, and really work to erode that notion so that people don't think white supremacy, Ku Klux Klan, they think white supremacy and, you know, Kim Wise. Um, the guy next door, I mean, just, you know, a, a radical shift in what that means. Um, given that, uh, at the conference, uh, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because I got feedback on this from Dr. Moore, which I found fascinating. Um, at the conference, uh, I spoke with you after the workshop, tremendous. We had quite a long dialogue, and uh, you requested a hug. And I said, well, didn't you just say you're a racist? And you said, yeah. Um, shook hands, no problem. Dr. Moore found me like 30 minutes later, and he said, uh, did a white person ask you for a hug and you refused? And I was like, what? Somebody ratted on me. Did you, uh, did you tell Dr. Moore that I wouldn't give you a hug? No, absolutely not. I, I actually felt um, 
kind of, well, I, I felt a bit ashamed of myself for having asked after I just finished critiquing all of the kumbaya stuff. I ended up just turning around and participating in it <laughs> by making the request. So, no, I, I absolutely um, didn't say anything to anyone and just reflected on my own role in lending toward the kumbaya nonsense that um, is not helpful. Hmm. Wow. Someone ratted on me, and I think that right there uh, is racism, white supremacy at the White Privilege Conference, the fact that it was uh, – and, and get this, after all we've talked about with anti-miscegenation, that a black male refused to hug a white person, that that was ground to go and tell the director of the conference. That is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I – yeah. Yeah, that it was perceived as something wrong is what's troubling to me. Wow. If anything, well, the, the, the goal of the conference, it would seem to me, would be to make that sort of rejection understandable, completely understandable. Hmm. Again, Dr. Jacqueline Battalore. Uh, and that whole program. Uh, it's linked if you're listening at Blog Talk Radio. You can click her name, and it's linked to that program. Fantastic find from White Privilege Conference 11. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, that segment that we just heard? Uh, well, I mean, again, I, I, I start where uh, Jackie ended, where, you know, the purpose of the conference is so that something like that, when it happens, is understood. Uh, so... Um, the only way, there, there are a couple ways that that can be understood. You would hope that people would come in with a consciousness of that understanding. So I do think it's important. I, I would assume that there were more than one, peop, one person in that workshop. I would assume. So I would assume there were maybe one, more than one people in observance of that. I don't know. But for me, for me, I think um, no matter how, I don't, I don't know what the word is to describe it, that there's now a venue where there's now an opportunity to say to this person, what is wrong with you? I mean, you, what, you, how can you have a problem when a black man says, I don't want to hug a white person? Right? That, this is the space where someone can check that up. Now, again, I didn't perceive it as ratting. I think I didn't pursue you to say, oh, my goodness, Gus, you wouldn't believe what happened. And, again, my intention in sharing that is, uh, a way to describe that in a conference of 1,700 people on a scale of 1 to 10 around white supremacy, white privilege, oppression, we got some folks at negative 10. And so I'm not, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can't screen that. And I think this is a good example of, one, what exists at the conference, but two, the purpose of the conference is so that enlightenment can take place. Now, where I am concerned, as I've shared with you, is that if this is the everyday feeling, if this is the everyday presentation of what people are experiencing at the White Privilege Conference, then there's some serious things that need to change and happen there because that can't be the state in which we leave everybody after the White Privilege Conference experience. So um, that's what I would say in response to that. Um, what <clears throat> what state? What do you what do you mean? You said the state that can't be the state. What state exactly would that be that we can't leave the white privilege conference with? That if you see a 
a black man refusing to give a hug to a white woman that that's alarming. There's no consciousness oh, okay. about why that would be understandable. Like, or if you leave thinking or having questions about what is white privilege. Right, so for me, if a person comes in at, let's say, a negative 10 and they leave at a negative 10, then that's, that, that's something we got to take a look at because I would hope that if this person was at a negative 10, that they at least this one educational moment can take them to a minus 9 and that there would be continued growth as they come back. Um, I, in my view, I could be incorrect. Um, one of the most helpful tools in terms of increasing, <clears throat> particularly non-white people, increasing their understanding of racism, white supremacy, is uh, getting them to grasp the importance of definitions when discussing racism, white supremacy, and to uh, cultivate their own definitions um, so that that way they will have an intimate connection uh, to the terms that they use and what they want those terms to do when they use the words. Um, and, and we talked about that. Gus is working right now on uh, the glossary. Uh, we'll see if we can perhaps uh, have that next year. Um, I don't know. Do you, I guess, asking truthfully, do you, do you really believe that the White Privilege Conference, uh, based on the first 11 years, is structured in such a way that um, non-white people will not only feel comfortable, justified, as she said, uh, in refusing to hug a white person, but that non-white people will be uh, will be demonstrating that, acting that out on a regular basis. Do you do you feel that that's the type of environment you have at the White Privilege Conference currently? Well, I are you saying the majority of? of uh, I mean, I, don't know. I mean, I, I can't. I feel like yes and no, bro. I think that there, there, there are places and spaces where we're trying to continue to, uh, as I've said from the main stage, that this is not a place where non-white people should be in agony. Now, someone said to me, Eddie, I misunderstood you because I thought you were saying that it's like non-white people shouldn't be challenged at the conference either. Like they shouldn't be pushed or stressed either. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. That we shouldn't be injured at the hands of white supremacy and white privilege and other forms of oppression at the white privilege conference. So uh, if the question is, uh, if, if I can answer the question in that structure, I would say uh, absolutely not. We, I am not at perfection. That's, my, that's one of my primary goals. I feel like there is a growing and strengthening network of folks to continue to help folks understand the, the, the critical importance of non-white folks not experiencing white supremacy, white privilege at the White Privilege Conference. And what I hope can happen, that's a good sign for me, is when people do experience that, they say, Eddie, you won't believe the junk that happened to me. And I say, you know what, man, thank you for sharing that. Now, can you help me create a workshop to bring knowledge out of that experience? And that's the kind of thing that I'm hoping uh, you will do, but also, I don't, I mean, I want to be careful not to make it the work of non-white people to 
you know, always be educating white people as well, that there's got to be some white people like Jackie who are also bringing white people to task as, you know, she sees or is a part of those kinds of experiences as well. I want to check to see if Justice has some questions, but I, I did want to uh, say that I, I believe as long as the system of white supremacy exists, um, white supremacy will be practiced at the White Privilege Conference and in all other uh, endeavors that involve people on the planet. Um, I suspect that white supremacy will be the dominant factor uh, as long as the system exists. So uh, I, I don't... I don't know that it would be possible to have a white privilege conference where there is no white supremacy being practiced uh, under current conditions. Um, I could be incorrect. Could be incorrect. Could you offer like some examples of things that you are either doing or would suggest we do, so that if we don't or are enable accomplishing, you know, as you you know put it, uh, the the non-existence of white supremacy at the white privilege conference, but at least some some visible demonstrated efforts. What are some of the things that you are doing or have done or would suggest that we do? I got two. I have two. Number one, I have a T-shirt idea. My T-shirt idea, and this was sparked from the first time I saw the shirts. Um, I shared the caller, uh, the female caller, uh, who had questions about the use of the term privilege, got privilege. I think you can keep those shirts, right? But you could have other shirts. You could have shirts that just say racist or white supremacist. That would be like A-plus, slam dunk, hang on the rim, ah, uh, white supremacist. No question mark, no exclamation point, white supremacist, period. Uh, like a B-plus would be racist. Only white people get those shirts. That would be a visible reminder, uh, and I think it would be fantastic. That would generate discussions galore, uh, and it would be a reminder, a big fat reminder that, hey, white equals racist. As Jacqueline Battalore, Dr. Battalore said, white equals white supremacist. That would be one. My other suggestion, something that I am going to do, uh, you advised me to submit a proposal for a workshop. Um, my proposal, the workshop title, How the White Privilege Conference reinforces the system of white supremacy and to make the workshop demonstrate why that has to be the case as long as white supremacy exists and then to demonstrate or illustrate specific examples of how racism white supremacy is at work even at the white privilege conference those would be my two suggestions so is it your under would you be would you advise that something like the White Privilege Conference not be in existence, or is it is it is it is it something that is not worth or not important enough to accomplish or be doing, or what's your sense of something like the White Privilege Conference even being in existence? Uh, I think as long as the system of white supremacy exists. Um, there should be. Uh, there should be compensation. There should be efforts to correct that problem. So if the White Privilege Conference is about correcting the problem of racism, white supremacy, then yes. Um, now, based on what I saw, I had concerns. 
uh, and people who listen to my program have concerns. Is this constructive? One of the things that I, that I always say, uh, I'll make sure I say it today, my efforts might not be constructive. What I'm saying might not be correct. So I can't even step out and say that what I'm doing is, is the right thing to do. This is the way to go. It might be. It might not be. Think for yourself. Um, I would say, yeah, I definitely think things like the White Privilege Conference uh, are needed, but I do think, I definitely think that something like the White Privilege Conference that is uh, widely circulated, it seems like a lot of people know about it, have participated in it, want to participate in the experience of the White Privilege Conference, I think it's very important um, the work that's being done be scrutinized, um, and I think uh, I, I'm just not aware of a lot of scrutiny in terms of what happens at the event uh, and, and just honest feedback about the event. I, I don't hear non-white people coming back and talking about, well, I didn't, I didn't get definitions about racism and white supremacy, and I felt that was a problem. Uh, I don't hear non-white people coming back and using the term white supremacy. They're using the term privilege, sometimes white privilege, sometimes not even white privilege, just privilege. And I think that can be a big problem. So it's not that I don't think it should exist. I just think that, you know, like my program, like any counter-racist effort, uh, you constantly want to be aware of the results of what you're doing. And if the result is that we still are in a system of racism, white supremacy, uh, we got some work to do. We got some serious tweaking to do. We got things we should be looking at. Anything should be questioned. Anything should be challenged. And uh, I think there's a lot of room for challenge and continued evolution at the White Privilege Conference. So I've, I've been, I've participated now. Uh, you have two suggestions for me. I'm definitely going to follow through with the glossary and uh, the workshop, and hopefully people listening in will hear. And I think you are very earnest in saying you want to evolve the conference. So hopefully people listening to this broadcast get in touch with Dr. Moore. Shoot him an email. He is uh, very receptive. Uh, the folks who want to help uh, make the conference better and get more people. So share feedback. I think a lot of the people who listen to this program, Dr. Frances Cress-Wellsing, she's been on this show four times. I think they would love to see her as a keynote uh, speaker uh, next year in Minneapolis, and I think a lot of folks might even be interested in coming out to support. So that, that, would, be, uh, that would be my thoughts. Continue the efforts, and let's, let's have Dr. Wellsing as keynote speaker for uh, White Privilege 12 in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, hopefully Gus can have a workshop, uh, how the White Privilege Conference reinforces white supremacy. And we can even talk about how this radio program does so as well. Well, um, Gus, I, 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 I want to um, just again, I don't know if you ever had that friend that you can hug at the same time, but you kind of want to punch him in the nose too. I just want to thank you for being that kind of friend because it has been, uh, for me, critically important to have you experience the conference and as you uh, laid out there, come back and give honest feedback for the evolution, not for the destruction. And so I just want your listening audience to know that I appreciate that about you and the fact that you have young people involved with what you're doing as well. And Sister Justice and the work that she's doing and participating on this show, to me that's, again, uh, just something that I think is phenomenal, bro. So I just wanted to put that out there to your listeners. Uh, seriously, though, to show support, and, 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 and I hope that the conference and CALS can continue to be in relationship, whether it's you, you know, doing some shows from the conference, having some speakers after the conference, so on and so forth. 
Outstanding. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to. I, it's not even a want. The workshop, it will be submitted if white people permit, and uh, I am uh, alive on the planet. I will definitely submit my proposal for the workshop. I think we have like 60 seconds. Uh, Justice, if you have a question you want to get out before we wrap the program, go right ahead. I don't have a question. Thank you. Groovy. Um, again, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr., founder of the White Privilege Conference. Uh, and like I said, I'm very self-aware. I know I'm, I'm not a cool person. That's why I say I avoid contact with non-white people. But I have uh, a lot of respect for Dr. Moore. That is two trips to the context of white supremacy where he has taken some very tough uh, personal questions and uh, responded like a champion both times. I hope people appreciate his effort here at the Cows. And I'm very serious. Get in touch with Dr. Moore. If you shoot me a message, uh, I can get you his email address. It's on his website. Uh, it's easily available online. Get in contact with him if you have ideas about the White Privilege Conference, female caller in California, ideas for shirts, ideas for shops, speakers. Uh, I'm definitely sure he would be uh, receptive to hearing uh, information about things that would evolve the conference, and uh, you could have an impact uh, at uh, Minneapolis. Next, next uh, it's 2011. Uh, is it April is it 13th through the 16th? 14th through the 16th. That's it. Oh, you're right. It's 13th through the 16th. And okay. in addition to God privilege, please anticipate racist, white supremacist T-shirts. I love that idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. Love you it. heard it here first. I you love it. it. We heard it here first. So uh, thank you again, my brother. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll continue uh, to support the program. I was going to ask you quickly, uh, what your sense of Dr. O'Reilly was as potentially a keynote in the future. Oh, wow. If you get him to speak about racial matters, I think that would be fantastic, and I think that would go nice. If you could have Dr. Welsing, Dr. Battalore, and uh, Dr. Kenneth O'Reilly, that would be phenomenal. I mean, your white privilege conference would skyrocket in terms of my views on it if you had those three individuals. Uh, his work on racial matters is incredible. I guess the, my final comment would be he said on this broadcast, uh, it last he's been on twice. He was uh, on in April of 2009. He said that black people are treated like garbage, and as a result, white people are suspicious of their loyalties because they know black people are treated like garbage. Um, excellent information. And he really talks about, honestly, how white people organize strategically as a unit, a system, and oppose any effort to combat their system. So I think he would be a phenomenal guest specifically to talk about his book, Racial Matters, the FBI's file on black America from 1960 to 1972. But we can chat about that later. Your perspective on Dr. Carney? Oh, man, uh, very, I mean, I think Dr. Carney, I think very informed. All of these people I suspect are racist. Let me be very clear about that. I suspect you would have to be on your toes with them as well because they would practice racism and probably did so when they were on this program. But Dr. Carney, uh, I think she had a lot of great information about how easy it is for white people to practice racism. It's easier for white people to lie because they're in a position of dominance. It's easier for them to practice harm against non-white people because they're in a position of dominance. And she talks about how for white people, the default is white supremacy. Even if they say, no, I'm not racist, 
uh, I don't think about racism, I'm not a white supremacist, they still go out and behave and function as racist white supremacists. The, the unconscious mind of the white person is set to practice white supremacy. So I think she could potentially be uh, an excellent addition to the conference as well. Hey, my brother, I was going to give you a few names to consider for your show. David Rodiger, Rodinger, I don't know okay. if you know that name. I'll send you these uh, electronically. Uh, there are some names okay. that will come to me and I think would be good for your show in doing, uh, all doing work around white supremacy and, 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 and uh, white privilege and whiteness. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. You are plucking my heartstrings. Um, yeah, I'll, I will look out. Did you get the I, – I sent you uh, Dr. Carney. I did get that resend of that email, so that has been very helpful. And, um, yeah, that, that, that wasn't coming through on my Bush account, so I got it on my Yahoo. So I've been able to uh, also look at – that's why I was asking you about uh, Dr. O'Reilly and Dr. Carney because I saw them in your email. Okay, okay. Yes. Thumbs up uh, both ways, although I suspect they would still practice racism, but I think they could share some uh, very uh, helpful information about white supremacy. So, yes, I will, I will be in touch. Please get out and enjoy your afternoon. It's gorgeous. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr., gentleman and a scholar, founder of the White Privilege Conference. We will definitely be in touch, sir. Okay, thank you, and thanks to your listening audience. Thank you, Sister Justice. Thank you for being on the couch. Peace. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be right back. Context of white supremacy. Is racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think, and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? Counterracism.com, you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity. Using words correctly, following counter-racist logic, even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is, how it works, and how to counter it. The open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counter-racist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you. Stop by counterracism.com today and help replace racism with justice. That's counter-racism.com. Context of white supremacy, Gus T. Renegade and Justice. If everybody that called in, your line is open, I need you to hush for, uh, I'll let you know when to chat, but just hang out, be quiet. If you could mute your phone, that would be uh, most helpful because I want to get justices feedback uh, on the program. Justice, did you have any thoughts on uh, Dr. Moore and what he shared with us today? Yes. Um, I want uh, Dr. Moore's wife to come on the show. I think it would be interesting. <laughs> what, uh, what, uh, what, would you, uh, what would you ask uh, Dr. Moore's wife? Um, 
why was she um, hugging um, people there? Why was she hugging people? (laughs) Actually, Actually, I don't really think if she was hugging people, but um, I would probably ask some questions that I usually ask to wife, so I would probably um, think of some during the show. If you don't mind, it would be interesting. Mm. I wish you had yeah. asked. That could have it's, been a... Oh, I'm sorry. It's just to um, hear who you use. I'm nice and white. So let me see. <clears throat> I wish... Uh, one of us had asked him, had made that request while he was here, that he, uh, I should call <laughs> I could call him back right now and ask. If you want me to call him, I'll call him right now, and we'll get him on the three-way, and we'll ask him if, if he would ask his wife uh, to come on the show. But since that was your request, we're going to all have to, uh, you know, uh, in your case, attempt to be a woman, my case, attempt to be a man. If you are willing to ask uh, or make that request, that he attempted to get his wife on the program. I'll call right now. We can ask right now. Do you want to ask him? Um, I don't mind. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, you have to give me a moment to uh, get it. Oh, no, you don't. I can do it right now. Okay. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to share before I, I give Dr. Moore a call here? Nope. Okay. Let's see. Um, hang tight, everybody. I will. Uh, I'm gonna lose a couple people, but I'm bringing you back in. If you call the show line, you're fine. Just hang tight and stay on mute. Uh, the people that I have on my line, I'm gonna just ring you right back. So hang tight. Context of white supremacy. We will make a live request to get his uh, wife on the program. Um, Justice will make a live request to have his wife on the program. Man, oh man. Um, okay. Okay, if uh, it goes to his voicemail, uh, would you be okay with just leaving a message and making your request on his voicemail? I'm sorry, can you say that again? If it if he doesn't answer, if it goes to like his voicemail, would you be okay with just leaving a message saying this is justice from the cows and making your request that way? Um, is he coming on the show again sometime? We can, I mean, we could, you could ask to have them on together. I hadn't planned to have him on, uh, you know, after today, but if you want to ask that they both come on, that would be great. If you just want her, that would be great. But, uh, yeah, however you, however you want it. If you want them both on, you know, you should just ask for both of them to come back. Uh, however you, however you want it done. Um, probably both of them, but, um, I was just going to ask if he, if Dr. Moore is going to come on again, like, uh, like soon, um, on the couch, then I could probably just ask him, uh, then. Uh, I, we don't have another time. I hadn't talked to him about having him on, uh, anytime in the future. So, um, I think it would be, I think it would be constructive if you would like to have his wife on the program. I think it would be constructive to just, 
you know, if you want them both to be on, to just say that in your request like now, to say you would like to have them both on and, you know, sometime soon. <laughs> Was that a question? Uh, no, it was not a question. I, it was just, uh, I guess, a suggestion that if you think it would be best to have them both on together, that when we call him, that you just ask for he and his wife to come back and to come back soon. That's all. Okay. Okie dokie. All right, so you ready? Okay. <laughs> all right, groovy. Context of white supremacy, justice, and Gusty Renegade. Here we go. Uh, Dr. Moore? Yes, sir. Greetings. This is uh, Gus. We're still broadcasting live. Uh, Justice actually had one quick uh, request that you wanted to make, if we could steal like 30, 30 seconds of your time, sir. No problem. No okay. problem. Right on. Justice, go right ahead. Okay. Um, do you mind if you get your wife on the show sometime? Um, I think it would be interesting to hear her views on racism and white supremacy. Well, I would definitely uh, talk to her. I don't. I mean, I, 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 um, <laughs> I want to be careful not to put her in a position that she's not wholeheartedly comfortable with. One, not that she doesn't have any competencies, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if the presence of radio is for everyone. So, uh, and two, being who I am and the work that I do, I do want to be uh, somewhat um, careful about just putting all my family business for everybody uh, to uh, be a part of. So uh, I will talk with her about that and and find out where her comfort level is. So uh, I will tell you, honestly, my instincts are, for me, I feel like there's a part of uh, my life and my personal life that I have to be uh, somewhat shielding and protective of and, and my wife and and. and and what happens in our household is a part of that. So that's what I'm feeling. Okay. Ruby, thank you, Dr. Moore. I appreciate it. Again, always appreciate the, uh, appreciate the honesty. Um, thank you for taking a bit more of your time. We will be in touch soon, sir. Okay. Take right. care, bro. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All righty. Context of white supremacy, justice, Gusty Renegade. Um, I would be interested in seeing that happen. I, uh, man, I would be, uh, I'd be real interested in seeing that happen. Um, any, any other, any other thoughts, uh, Justice? Disappointed? I forgot to uh, actually wanted both of them. I forgot. <laughs> forgot mm. that I wanted both of them. I just said his wife. Mm. It's all right. I make uh, mistakes, too, with being clear with uh, words and such. Um, good uh, good attempt, good attempt. And it might happen. He might, you know, talk to her. She might be willing, um, you know, 
We'll have to see. But yeah, I would I would love to hear uh them together on a program. Um love it, love it, love it. Yep. Do you have any other uh any other thoughts uh, on what he had to share? I guess or you I'm sorry, I won't do it at a time. Did you have any other thoughts on what he had to share? No. What did you think about the uh, when he was talking to you as if he was uh, your parent and he was trying to explain racism and white supremacy? Uh, what did you think about what he said to you? Um, I don't remember that part. My memory is not as good as it used to be either. Um, I have to listen to the program again to to catch everything. Um, man, I don't know, uh, but I, ha- I have never I have to tell the truth. I have not listened to the entire broadcast when Dr. Moore was here in May of 2009. I still haven't listened to the whole program. Um, I suspect there's some very uh, juicy aspects to that program. I'm real certain there are some incredible parts to this program. Um, I don't know when I get a chance to sit down and listen to the whole thing, but man, oh man. Um, Everybody that called in, your line is open. Uh, I do want to be very careful to not not just talk bad about a non-white person. I'm still very confused about racism, white supremacy, so I don't want to have a, uh, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that type of a thing. you know, if you want to make any comments about things that were shared or observations, that's fine. Um, but just being sensitive to victims, because he didn't have to answer any of those questions, really. He could have pulled a uh, Liam Chef and, and called it a day early, but he hung in for the second time. So I want to respect uh, a victim, of, an admitted victim of white supremacy, uh, being honest and hanging in there, even though he wanted to uh, apparently sock Gus uh, in the face. But, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then mm. offer this emotion of a hug. <laughs> My mm. man Mac Payne, he asked me, he said, Do you still avoid contact with non white people? Yes, yes, I avoid contact with non white people. <laughs> you get socked just for asking questions like, man. <laughs> Yes, double whammy like eight times. Yes, yes, I still avoid, not minimize, I avoid contact with non-white people. Yes. There are quite a few things he said I found confusing, but I do appreciate um, him being very willing to uh, answer questions. I, I think he that's, that's one thing that's, that I found to be different with him versus a lot of the other uh, guests on the show, especially some of the white people that have been on the show. Like some of his answers were confused and it made me wonder if he was confused, but I appreciate him making an an honest effort to answer questions. I think we're all confused. Yeah, I mean, there were just there were just a, a few uh, specific things that when he answered, I, I couldn't understand how he came to the conclusion or it, it exemplified 
you know, confusion, but I, I didn't feel like he was making an attempt to confuse us, though. It seemed to me more more on his end um, re- regarding the uh, inter interracial relationship thing and, um, you know, the different types of privilege or victimization, that sort of thing. That sounds destructive. You know, there's an aspect of the um, so-called interracial relationships that I know we really haven't touched on, and that aspect is, and I've got to keep in mind, justice is still on the show. Um, When a non-white male is engaged in in these sexual relationships, um, I believe there's probably a little bit of get back involved in it as well. And that that get back is directly related to the uh, sexual intercourse between the two of them, between a non-white male. What do you mean when you say get back? You know, like you know, in a way, like you know, hey, I'm getting him back. You know, this is something that this is one of his prized possessions, and and not only do I have it, but I'm having my way with it. I have heard keep, that before. Keep, keep in mind, I I have experimented with white females. So um, there was a bit of that even on my part. I, I heard that uh, cowbell more than I heard uh, with the white people on the show, though, Gus. Very interesting. Very interesting. And let me also say this. Um, I ended my experiment with uh, with a white female when I got a Father's Day card, and on that Father's Day card was a monkey on the cover. And when you opened up the card, the monkey jumped out with both his arms wide open. So I I knew after I got the card that you know okay well it's time to end this experiment. I was going to say the uh, the cowbell was not in effect when he was on the program the first time, so that was a, uh, in addition, justice. I thought those were two uh, excellent additions that probably enhanced the value and constructive nature of the broadcast uh, in comparison to last time. So I suspect if the last program was constructive, this one is very constructive. Um, and that, I mean, I don't know. You can come to your own conclusions. Uh, The program where that cowbell has gotten very high and it's been 15 or more rings, I would say pay attention. What What are some commonalities that, you know, you see in the programs where that cowbell rings a lot? Uh, what are some, some common themes to these people? Do you feel like you're getting constructive information? Do you feel like these people are trying to confuse you? Do you feel like these people are confused themselves? Is it a combination? Uh, just, you know, pay attention. Think about that. See what, see what, uh, what correlations you pick out between uh, that cowbell ringing a lot. I think the uh, white guests have a lot more, uh, uh, I guess, creating confusion 
than non-white guests giving their opinion on something they might be confused about, but is directly the result of racism, white supremacy. I think that's a huge difference in making that cowbell. I know one thing, if White Privilege Conference 12 has uh, Dr. Welsing as a keynote speaker, and uh, if Dr. O'Reilly goes to talk about racial matters specifically, and they have those uh, T-shirts that say racist and or white supremacist, and only white people get those, I would be interested in seeing uh, how that conference plays out. I would be very interested. Uh, that that would definitely make it a lot more interesting. I'd be interested in going. And I want to I, I want to see if he'll make me that T-shirt. I'll wear it because there are a lot of white people in my area. That's a good. One. I think we should get it in Spanish too. <laughs> Make all the white people aware. Bring in the Spanish interpreter at the Racism White Supremacy Conference. I'm sorry, White Privilege Conference. If he has a Gus at the conference, uh, I might have to show up to the conference because I think that could be very constructive, and I think that uh, this will enhance this show and actually uh, awaken a lot more people because... I think this can be very, very, very constructive. I agree. I thought it was interesting that he wasn't, he wasn't, um, he didn't seem willing to even um, look at the possibility of changing the, the name of the conference. Do you think that was in um, in deference to white people to their their level of comfort? That's possible. That's certainly possible because I've battled with that term privilege also. Because I mean, life is a privilege if you just have life. I mean, that's a privilege. So, I mean, you know, we're all, I mean, you know, this whole notion of privilege just, you know, can go anywhere at that point. Um, and so if being white means you you have uh, more privileges, I mean. Uh, uh, well, don't you think that uh, by, by him having Dr. Francis Quest Welling and Gus doing, I mean, in the future, you probably, you probably, I mean, if it enhances the conference to a certain degree, you probably have more input, but, I mean, he is the one that created it, so we, and, until you put a dent into something, you really can't dictate anything if, if someone else created it. So I can see his perspective on it, but I can also see how that's misleading to a lot of people. But if he's having people like Gus and Dr. Fred, uh Mrs. Wells in there, then, come, I mean, only time will tell. So I think that's 
Oh, I, I, I bring it up, sir, because even when, when Dr. Moore speaks, he, he doesn't use that term a lot. The term he uses a lot in the in the two broadcasts I've heard is racist and white supremacist. <laughs> Not white privilege. Yep. He's still given an opportunity. That's the thing. I mean, there's always an opportunity. If he was actually saying all this information and not saying basically, well, you know, take it or leave it, and you're not coming to my conference. If you do, you could be a guest and watch. But he's actually he's asked people to participate. That leaves the door open to grow, to evolve, and uh, that's what I hear. I mean, I, I mean, yes, we still should be critical, and I understand that, but that's what I hear. I- and and I wouldn't say I'm being critical. I don't I don't want anybody to take 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 me for being critical. I just thought it was interesting uh, that considering how he speaks, that um, he would still choose that term. Um, and then, like I said, the other thing is, well, like you know, life to me is a privilege. If you have life, that is a privilege. So if you are white and you have privilege, then what does that mean if you are non-white? Um, that's one thing I would be okay not grappling about the name, even though I have voiced my opinions with him about why I don't think it's most accurate. And I think it is, it borders on not just being non-constructive in my view, it borders on being destructive because it has a big impact on how people think and speak about racism, white supremacy. But I would be willing to, I could easily deal with that if we have a workshop at the White Privilege Conference, that is how the White Privilege Conference reinforces the system of white supremacy. And then you just add that to the list of this is another way it supports the maintenance of white supremacy using the term privilege. And you just break down all the implications of that and why that is not the most accurate term. And in my view, borders on not just being non-constructive, it borders on being destructive. Good point. I, I would accept that. I do want to say we're still in a system of white supremacy. Gus is still on the plantation with no phone, no computer. Um, so anybody played Dr. Moore's sound clip for him and got his feedback. Uh, out to any non-white person out there, if you want to give opinion about what's happened here at the cow. Go see if you can replicate that, uh, play back a sound clip of that nature and get that person's feedback on it. And more than anything, I continue to say you demonstrate your understanding of white supremacy. You should be able to talk about white supremacy without generating conflict. I would say this was a fantastic display of how you can talk about one of the most difficult subjects and to do it publicly with no conflict. We've done this twice now. That's how you demonstrate an understanding of white supremacy, no conflict between victims. Even though he did want to punch me in the face, we're close. That conflict, you're always kind of close. You're always kind of close. That's been conditioned as a part of us. But, hey, it ended cordial. I went to Wisconsin, and I've been given assignments. I'm supposed to be working on a glossary for white privilege 12 in uh, Minnesota next year. So, yeah. Conflict is always close, but I haven't been bopped yet, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Now, is Dr. Moore familiar with Dr. Maruti? 
in his work? I highly doubt it. Hmm. And what about the irritated genie? <laughs> um, I mailed him a link to the program with Irritated Genie and told him that he might want to think about having him for a lecture. Um, Irritated Genie says he does not do presentations with white people present, so they would have to kind of work that out. Oh, I, I can see how that would be a problem. Cowbell ring. Ding, ding, ding. Did he explain why he doesn't presentations with white people present? Uh, they're racist. And and if I can remember correctly, he, he did declare that uh, he was at war with them as well, didn't he? Yes, he did. You can ask, though. He'll be here uh, Memorial Day weekend, trip number two, so you can, you can call in and ask him why he doesn't uh, do presentations uh, for white people or have white people in the audience. Um, Kyle should be thrown down Memorial Day weekend, I think. Right now, uh, Irritated Genie is scheduled to be here. Tim Wise is scheduled to be here. Uh, Gwen Ragsdale and her husband, uh, Jay Justin, uh, are both scheduled to be here. Uh, Martin Kevorkian scheduled to be here. Um, very bloated Memorial Day weekend already, so tune in and catch all of them. Hopefully I can, but that's the birthday weekend, so I may be missing in action. Either way, I got to give uh, Dr. Moore big kudos because he, he took a lot of personal questions, mm. and he didn't run from them. Here, here. Here, here. Didn't get that much of an attitude. He knocked him down, which which he did before. Uh, he did it two different programs, and and he had to know that was coming. I mean, the description was up. Um, this comes up every time we talk. I mean, it comes up every time we talk. Um, so you know, he had to know what to expect. So now the photo you have on the on the page, Gus, is that at the conference? The photo that's with this program, I'm not sure, because he does do speaking engagements away from the conference, just talking about racism and white supremacy. So I'm not sure if the one on today's broadcast is from the actual conference, but I believe the photo from the first time he was here, I believe that is directly from the conference. And uh, the female, I actually <laughs> met both of them, not Mighty Wick and myself, we met both of those. Or, oh, wait a minute, I met both of those females. Uh, he met the racist white supremacist uh, who's on his right in that photograph. Uh, he met her, admitted racist. Um, how refined white people are at the conference. I believe we were talking to her and asked if she was a racist. And 
And instead of just saying yes, she said, I can't say no. I'm at the white privilege conference. I'm white. I have privilege. She never said, oh, yeah, I'm a racist. It was just, I can't say no. Real crafty. Real, real crafty. Um, and she did some other, yeah, I don't want to, well, she's a white person. Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing. Um, Non-Mighty Wick, um, he was speaking with her, and she was in charge of, of one of the youth conferences, um, or in part of the youth, youth program at the uh, youth portion of the White Privilege Conference. And one of the names of the workshop was uh, the down-low room, or the room that the kids were in, the down-low room. And he asked her if she was aware of the connotations of that word, and she said yes. Uh, homosexual activity, uh, I believe she even referenced it specifically to black males. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, well, who came up with this? It was her, this admitted racist. And it was like, you know, well, what, why is that the name of the room? And she gave whatever explanation that she gave. But just, you know, little interesting things like that popped up, left all over the place, in my view, at the White Privilege Conference. But I, I thought that was interesting because I didn't know who that was when I put that photograph up. And then to meet her at the conference and know that she was associated, the person most responsible for the room being the down low room, very, very interesting. Uh. You could add that to the workshop, too, how white supremacy is being practiced here at the White Privilege Conference. You could add that to the workshop. Wow. Oh, yeah, I would like to get a plug in for everybody. If you're looking for the alkaline way of life, you can go to purifyself.com. Very can you fair. repeat that again? Purify self. P-U-R. Self. P-U-R-I-F-Y self.com. Okay, okay. Ruby, uh, does anybody have anything else uh, they wanted to bring up? chat about discuss. Has Dr. Moore ever um, discussed or made it clear if he's experienced racism from his in-laws? Hmm. I have never heard him. Or he did. He did mention his in-laws. I believe one of them was present at the White Privilege Conference, uh, his mother-in-law, I believe. Um, he did mention them when he was speaking at the conference. He, he made mention of the fact that he had white in-laws and a white wife when he was given the uh, opening speech um, at the conference. Um, but I don't, I can't say I've ever heard him comment about any of his white family members being racist directly to, towards him. I will make sure to get out. Uh, Cree has a program. Uh, she'll be broadcasting tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, counter-racist evolving engineer. She will be, uh, whoops, gave the wrong time. Apologize. Let me start that over. I was looking at the incorrect program. Okay. It is tomorrow. Day was correct. It is tomorrow 
It is tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, she will have uh, Abena Africa on the program. Uh, she has her own program right here, Blog Talk Radio. Um, she always talks about racism, white supremacy. I'm sure folks have heard her broadcast. She'll be uh, on Cree's program tomorrow, uh, the correct time, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, counter-racist, evolving engineer. They'll be talking about the logic of emotions uh, tomorrow right here at Blog Talk Radio. And uh, she is uh, operating the blog cree7.wordpress.com. Again, cree7.wordpress.com. Um, back of the bus as well. Support his blog, nonwhitealliance.wordpress.com. Again, nonwhitealliance.wordpress.com. Um, in addition to checking out Cree's um, excellent counter-racist review of uh, The Blonde Side and the whole uh, sorriness with Sandra Bullock, uh, Lisa Marie Rollins was just on uh, CNN talking about that whole uh, fiasco, and uh, she, uh, she repped pretty well uh, for the, uh, the victims of racism, white supremacy. Uh, it's uh, linked with the program that she did here with us uh, in February, but check that out, see what she had to say. Uh, she's blogging about it as well uh, at her blog site, but I thought that was pretty cool that she got to get on and uh, chat a bit about that whole uh, ugly bit with Sandra Bullock. Um, yeah, I get, Cal's again this weekend. This whole week, really, uh, we're throwing uh, pretty much every other day. Uh, Sunday, we'll be here with uh, Kevin Annette. Um, he has a documentary film, Unrepentant. Uh, it's about the uh, abuse of so-called uh, indigenous people, first people, Native Americans, non-white victims of white supremacy, uh, how they have been uh, abused and mistreated by white people. Uh, he'll be here on Sunday. Um, get the uh, time for the broadcast. Uh, he'll be here Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific. Kevin Annette, uh, he did, again, the documentary film Unrepentant. Um, two shows on Sunday. Kevin Annette is number one, Dr. Joy Angela DeGruy. She will be number two, author of Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Uh, she was here in January. She'll be making her second trip uh, again, and that's from the White Privilege Conference. She was there, and I was able to talk to her. As Dr. Moore said, she was available, and, and we sat and chatted for a few minutes. Um, and we talked about, uh, as I said earlier, how non-white people really struggle. <laughs> Woo, apropos. How non-white people struggle to comprehend and be honest with the fact that every white person is a racist white supremacist and what that means. Uh, and she talks about how that's a part of our pathology uh, she's also uh, going to be talking a little bit about uh, some of the conflict that white supremacy generates between black females and black males. Real interesting. Uh, she walked right into some of the comments that uh, listeners have left about this program, about uh, how it all the language of emasculation always comes up in a lot of the conflict that uh, black females and males have, and she's going to be addressing where that comes from. So that's also on Sunday, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific, Dr. Joy Angela DeGruy, author of Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Uh, Sophia Stewart, slated to be here next week. Um, quite a bit, every other day. Kept, 
Senator Kevin Parker from New York, uh, also slated to be here next week. Um, full uh, full load for May here at the Cows. Uh, Justice, uh, if you want to give out your email address so folks can contact you if they have something to say. Justice.asap at yahoo.com. Again, justice.asap at yahoo.com. Right on. Context of white supremacy. We'll be back uh, Sunday. Did anybody uh, have any other thoughts they wanted to share? Or I don't know where you all are. It's gorgeous here. Uh, if you uh, are on the West Coast, uh, it's still early. You can go out and frolic in the sunshine. Did anybody have anything else they wanted to say? I wanted to ask, will you be having anyone on the program um, in reference to what's going on in Arizona? Um, Tamara K. Knopper. Um, she's a non-black, non-white female. Uh, she does a lot of work around immigration. Um, that's one of the topics that she requested to speak about. So uh, there's an opportunity coming up uh, pretty quickly uh, to have that be uh, on the program. Uh, I feel like that's something that uh, I, I should be making more of an effort to uh, have at least one or two programs about that. I feel like I kind of dropped the ball on that uh, in Haiti. Uh, I am a victim, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 there's an opportunity coming up to talk about that specifically, and I will try to get something, uh, another program, where we make that the, the full focus of the program. Anything else? Anything else? Anything anyone wanted to share? Very constructive. Great show. See you next time. Right on. I hope it was uh, constructive. Uh, and again, if you do not think the context of white supremacy is worthy of your time and energy, please don't waste your time. Uh, if you don't think it's constructive, the information is not helpful or valuable to you, find something else to do. I don't want to waste folks' time. Um, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Uh, again, we'll be back uh, two times uh, on Sunday. Uh, Cree will be here tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, hopefully if you are a non-white person, the system of white supremacy will uh, maybe ease up a little bit so you can uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, and uh, please. Be conscious, watch your words, be especially conscious when you speak about racism, white supremacy. Pay attention to those words, man. Pay attention to the words and definitions. Uh, we will be back, as I said, on Sunday. Thank you for tuning in. Replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. Uh, justice, Gus T. Renegade, and our guest, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr., who was a trooper today, for sure, uh, signing out. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.